and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Dreamcasters, I am so excited to personally invite you to my first live event of 2019. Save the date for Dream Space, January 13th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You are invited. I would love to have you join us. Not only will you hear from myself and other special guests, but you'll have space, space to dream, space to heal, space to break through your own personal glass ceiling, connect with what it is you truly want most, connect with your life's purpose, and then create an inspired action plan so you can start taking steps in that direction. We're going to end the night with a come-as-you-will-be party. This means that we're pretending like it is the year 2024 and coming dressed as the person that you want to be in five years. Oh my gosh, we're going to have lots of talk time to help you prepare for this event, but I know that this full day workshop experience is going to be life-changing for you and I want you there. Space is limited and it will sell out. So go to dreamlifetoolkit.com to get your dream space ticket today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. If you have ever asked yourself the question, now what? Or maybe wondered if your best days were behind you, then this episode is for you. At the age of 50, our next guest walked away from a 25-year career as a brand strategist to rebrand middle age for women and to inspire women to live out the second half of their lives with more passion and joy than the first. Her system uncovers the one question, three problems, and six lies that midlife women must recognize and overcome in order to live out the dreams they've set aside. She recently released her first book, Hot Flashes, Carpools, and Dirty Martinis, (laughs) the quintessential guide for turning midlife into prime time, as well as a program for midlife women, Positively Prime Time, the 21-Day Revolution. You guys are going to love her energy, her spunk, and her vision. So big welcome to Juju Hook to the Dreamcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Oh my goodness. Well, when I first heard your story, I thought she is someone I need to connect with because I think so many people are in a similar situation that you were several years ago. You are now an entrepreneur. You walked away from a 25-year career, but you wanted something different. So before you made that full-blown transformation, I would love to hear, when did that restlessness start for you? Tell us a little bit about your backstory. I was a brand strategist for many years. I started on the corporate side right out of college in the financial industry as a branding and marketing manager, worked my way up to executive level, realized when I was in my early 30s that being a corporate exec wasn't for me. I was good at my job, but I was kind of a loose cannon, you know, so I wasn't always the most popular girl in the boardroom. And uh, when my son was born, I decided to open my own agency. So for about a little less than 15 years, I had a branding agency, full service branding agency, and I specialized in financial and automotive. And it was quite successful. I, for a time, a long time, really, I loved it. 
And like so many entrepreneurs, I really worked to get to the point where I could work less time and make more money and have all this freedom in my life. And by the time I reached about 48, I had achieved that. I had a big team, a big creative team that was working for me and some big national clients and was, you know, bringing in good money and and proud of what I was doing. But things started to sort of wax and wane, right? I started to feel a call to do something to contribute on a different level. I started to sort of get tired of stuffing money into the pockets of big corporations and feeling like what I was doing wasn't really giving back to the world. But more importantly, I started to feel all these shifts in my body. You know, I was, I went into early menopause. I had had a hysterectomy and my emotions were really, really running high. It took me quite some time to realize what it was. You know, I, I had my husband pointed out to me initially, it was like, you know, is this, is this where we're going? Right. Is this, are we just, are we just going to, you know, throw our hands up and, and fall apart every day? And I don't think that I had realized, you know, how it was affecting me. And I had an, a phone call one night that I was about to lose a, a big national client. It was a client that I'd had for many years. They supported a seven member creative team. There was a lot on the table. And in the wake of the phone call, I just panicked. I had all these horrible thoughts, the most pervasive of which was, I'm never going to be able to replace this client because I'm too old. And, you know, a younger agency is going to be more relevant, right? Everything's digital now. This is a young woman's game. And, you know, I had all these thoughts about stepping back and putting on a navy blue suit again and started walking into boardrooms and replacing this work. And, I just, you know, I was terrified and and in that moment decided to mix myself a couple dirty martinis, which was definitely not my best choice. And woke up the next morning, you know, pounding rainstorm, pounding in my head and had a blowout with my my teenager. And it was one of the nastiest fights we've ever had. A lot of it had to do with me kind of overparenting him during a time in my life when I was really questioning my my purpose and my usefulness. He crawled out the window, middle of a rainstorm. The fight continued. I dropped him at school, really worn out and just questioning everything. And the principal called and said, you know, it seems like like Christian, my son is real stressed out at school. You know, is there, is there anything I should know about? And I just, you know, blah, 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 right. You know, he won't study. He's, He's not committed. He's just signing on for mediocrity. He's never going to live up to his full potential. Just, you know, all the stuff that we think as moms. And he called me right out and said, you know, I I don't think this is about Christian. I think this is about you. Wow. And, um, you know, I really challenge you to go do something that you're afraid of. And it was just a really wake up moment for me because I think up until that point, I really felt like things were winding down. And in that moment, I just had this kind of revelation. It was an embarrassment. I was embarrassed. But I also had this revelation that I wasn't even really giving myself a chance, that Mm -hmm. I had had all these things that I dreamed of and all these things that I'd wanted that I'd set aside for a big career and for money and all these things. And that now was the perfect time, right? Now at middle age, I was better than ever. And it just started me on a roll. And I started going out and talking to middle-aged women in research for my book, which is called Hot Flashes, Carpools, and Dirty Martinis, The Quintessential Guide for Turning Midlife into Primetime. And I just found that almost every middle-aged woman that I talked to had the same feelings that I did, that they were really, really pervasive. Wow. Okay. So you're, you had hormone changes. Your body was shifting. Your career yeah. changed. You had a big client you know, say, all right, I'm going in a different direction. And then a 
teenager is never easy. They kind of turn into yeah, for a no, while. And that, yeah, and that yeah, menopause, no and, <laughs> menopause and puberty, you know, I always say it's like beer and ice cream, right? It's just <laughs> sickening. It's just a really bad combo. So it was like, it was, you were, you were, you were all on all sides being hit. Yes. And, yes. and the initial go-to was it's over. I've got nothing left. It's over. Have a cocktail. You're done. Right. Yeah. Stick a fork in it. It's, yeah. it's over. And, and I think a lot of women feel that way. And I, you know, it's interesting when I started to write the book, it initially started as a series of lies because I talked to so many women and the lies were just so common, right? All the lies that we believed about, and I call them lies because lies are intentional. And I don't think we thought these lies up. I think someone put them in our heads. And once you kind of recognize what they are and you see the lies for what they are, you could step over them into the truth, but it really requires a lot of awareness. And I think a little, a a little bit of lost innocence about the way marketing works and about the messaging that's, that's being fed to us. Ooh, that is interesting, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Especially as a brand strategist in your midlife saying, oh, these are the messages that were being fed to me throughout the last. Yeah. Years. And, you know, what's really interesting is so middle aged woman is a brand, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but brand is nothing more than what you think of or what you feel when you hear a name. And so if I said, you know, Lexus, you'd have certain thoughts and feelings. Or if I said Tiffany or Rolex and the same is true with middle aged woman. The difference with the middle-aged woman brand is that we didn't write the messaging. Someone wrote it for us, but we take it on, we put it on, you know, we wear it around like a sweater and then we spread it around. And until we stop and rebrand ourselves, it's just going to keep happening. Ooh. Okay. So you had all of the, the life stuff happen. You were at your wits end. How long did that rock bottom moment last before you said, okay, this is just the beginning. This is not over. This is just a pivot. And it's just the beginning. So I think in that moment, I made a choice. Like in that moment, I said to myself, I'm not going to go replace this client. I'm going to walk away from this business. And my husband and I are both entrepreneurs, but we also own a car dealership, which my husband owns. And I went to him right away and said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to lose this account. It's a big account. I know it's coming and I'm not going to replace it. I want to do something else. And he said, well, what, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a, I'm going to be a motivational speaker, right? I'm going to be a global overnight internet sensation. And he said, well, what does that look like? How long do you think it's going to take you to replace the income from the agency? And I said, I think it's going to take me about five years. And yeah, I was lucky in that I was already an entrepreneur. I shouldn't say lucky. I was fortunate, you know, that I had put in the work and that I wasn't terribly risk averse. You know, I was willing to accept the fact that there was going to be a risk in the pivot. I'm three years in now to my five-year plan. So I would say that the, that the pivot was immediate. The lessons continue. They're beautiful lessons. And I've sort of made it my mission to share them along the way. But, but the pivot was immediate. And it was the biggest sigh of relief that I've ever had. Did you feel an immediate, like, this is what I'm supposed to do? I did. I And, you know, it's so funny how you see other people do things, right? Like at the time, I had seen all these younger women like Marie Forleo. I'm sure you know who Marie Forleo is, right? And I thought, oh, come on. If she can do it, I can do it, right? She's a hip-hop, she was a hip-hop dancer and she's teaching people about business. I have an MBA. I got, you know, 25 years of experience. I can do this. How hard can it be? So I think... You know, I was I was totally inspired and really in the moment. And I, I, I don't know that I was prepared for all the lessons, but I was open to them. And part of that really is 
I think a willingness to be a beginner, right? Because at 50 or middle age, whatever, whatever age, you know, you are past a certain point, we know everything, right? Like literally I was sure that I knew everything and everyone in my house knows everything. There's zero room for learning. So becoming a beginner was, was a big part of it and, and being wondrous about mm-hmm. new things, right? And that's a lesson I have to learn again and again and again. Yeah, it's interesting when you've been successful in your own right. You're like, well, I know how to be successful. And I'm just going to transfer those success yeah. skills to this new area. <laughs> yeah, of course. Sounds easy, doesn't yeah, it? Totally, totally. <laughs> I know how to ice skate. I'm going to snowboard now, right? And then, yeah. you know, two bottles of Excedrin later, I'm like, whose idea was that? What, yeah. what was I thinking? Yeah. So what are some of the big aha moments you had uh, over the past three years? So I think one of the biggest moments that uh, aha moments that I've had is about the voice in my head. So, you know, she's been real chitty chatty over this time. And I think formerly I believed that I was going to have to tune her out. And, you know, I had a lot of training in meditation. I have a yoga teacher certificate. I'm a certified health coach. So the idea of stillness and the idea of being the watcher and recognizing my thoughts, those weren't new ideas, but I think what I didn't realize is that I was going to have to acknowledge that voice in my head and thank her. And, you know, what we tell ourselves is about bad thoughts, especially pervasive bad thoughts, is that I just got to get past this. I just got to, I got to get these thoughts out of my head. And they're not going away. The thoughts are not going away, but they come to us for a reason. And, you know, the reason there's a voice in your head, the reason she's, she's screaming out at you is because she's trying to protect you and she wants certainty. And as long as we don't make any moves, we can be certain that we'll have exactly what we have now, right? Even if it's miserable, it's our misery. It's misery we know. And the voice in your head is comfortable with that. And one of the things that I've really learned is to thank her, to acknowledge her, to say, hey, you know, I see, I hear you, I really appreciate where you're coming from, right? But I don't need you right now. I got this. And you know what? You resist persists, right? So the more you try to push her away, the louder she's going to get. She's going to start to sing. She's going to get a jump rope, right? She's getting cuts at you. That's that's how it works. And so that's been a really big takeaway for me is, is living with that voice. Ooh, so there's an element of noticing, acknowledging, and then... Thanking. Thanking. Yes, because everything, you know, all of those things, they come with gifts, right? And the the voice in your head, the negative voice in your head, she comes bearing gifts and it's the gift of protection. And, you know, a gift isn't a gift unless the giver wants to give it and the receiver wants to receive it. Otherwise, it's just an obligation. And so I I, I don't always have to accept that gift. I can just say, hey, thanks, but I don't want it today. I'm not going to open that package. I don't want it. You know, sometimes I need her. Right. Sometimes I still need her. So when I'm when I'm stepping into danger or, you know, when when my intuition, my back is really up, sometimes she's right. But most of the time she's not. Oh, this is so interesting. So thanking means you're not in conflict with her anymore. Um, you know, you're yeah. not battling her anymore. You're just saying, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go this way. I don't need you. I got this. Right? Do you feel like this. that impacts your your gratitude energy? Your, you know, because instead of trying to fight it, you are, all right, thank you, but I'm going to go here. Like, does it impact your overall view of yourself and the energy you give off? I think so. I think we, you know, personal development is a huge thing. And I think we all tend to get in a mode where we're going to fix ourselves. 
right? And this is especially true for middle-aged women because we've come a long way and there are still things we want and we have these ideas. Well, if I were just more of this or less of this or, you know, added this to the mix, I'd be better. And one of the things I've realized is that we have all these different parts of ourselves, all these different sides of ourselves and all these women who live inside us. And instead of trying to shove them down or push them away, if we can integrate them and appreciate that they're all there for a reason, they came to us. Honestly, we worked hard for these parts of ourselves. It just, it's just very freeing. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a battle. It seems like we're Mm -hmm. all moving in the same direction and, and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So working through learning to accept, love, acknowledge, thank, and then choosing what voice you want to listen to in your head has allowed you to stay the course when things got tough. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also recognizing that, you know, there are industries that are hard at work with billions of dollars that would love for us to stay in the place we're at in terms of fear, especially women as we age. And, you know, one of those is the anti-aging industry. In 2015, this was a $250 billion industry. By 2021, it'll be $331 billion. And what's really interesting about the anti-aging industry is that it works differently for men and for women. So for men, the anti-aging industry is all about virility, right? It's all about their, you know, capacity and and being virile. But for women, the anti-aging industry isn't really about feeling young. It's about looking younger than we are. And so the messaging that comes with that is it touches on a certain pain and insecurity that the industry kind of created in the first place, right? And so I think we have to be careful about the messages that we listen to. And I'm not anti, anti-aging anti products, right? I use them too. But I think it's really important that we do things and that we make choices on our own terms, that we not make choices because somebody told us we're bad because we lived on the earth a certain time, right? And that message is really prevalent in society and it's our choice whether we tune it in or tune it out. Mm, so, so, I mean, it's true. It's true. And I think when we aren't attuned to it, then we just allow it in, but knowledge is power. Yeah. And what are you going to do with it? Right. The average life expectancy for a woman in America is 86 years. So the question isn't, is my time up? right? Has my ship sailed? It's what am I going to do with this massive amount of years that are left, right? How am I going to put this to work? And I meet women who are 29, 30 years old who already feel like, oh, you know, that's it. My best days are behind me. And I promise you they're not, you know, 52 rocks. And I just can't wait for 60. I'm really just super pumped about it. Yeah. All right. So tell me about the first book that you wrote and all of the interviews. Um, is there anything that you, you mentioned a few lies? Is there yeah. anything else that really came out of that book that was so... Yeah. So what came out of the book for me was six lies, six different lies that that women tell themselves and that we hear. Um, the first one I call the lie of noble selflessness, which is that uh, if we just do everything for everyone else first, we're noble. And, you know, this is a lie that we really get to hide behind because it keeps us stuck, right? It's, a, it's, it's an excuse, but it's also part of being a woman. You know, I'm taking care of this. I'm taking care of that. I'm taking care of them. I'm, everything comes before me. And, you know, what's really noble is to make the best of the life that you were given, to live in joy every day, to live, to thrive, to maximize. That's really noble. And we can't do that 
if we don't tend to ourselves. And when I saw how many women feel it, I think it was really an eye opener for me. I think the second lie that really trips women up is this lie of irrelevance that after a certain age, I'm not relevant anymore. What I have to say isn't relevant. What I have to add isn't relevant. And, you know, relevance is like attraction. So you're not attractive or unattractive. You're attractive to someone, right? It involves two beings. And relevance is the same way. You're relevant to something or to someone. And so that contribution just really shifts. And if we don't recognize that when it's time for that shift, if we don't recognize what's ours to give now, it's really easy to just check out and say, oh, you know, not relevant anymore. Nobody wants to hear what I have, I have to say. And I really fought with that because advertising is a cutthroat game. And I had to really step back from this belief that a, a younger woman's going to do better at this, right? And decide, how am I going to play the game? How do I play the game now? Mm-hmm. So those are a couple of the lies, you know, the lie of diminished capacity, So I have women that I coach that tell me about this every day. And it's almost this perception that women have that like we're a cup of energy, like we're a, you know, 44 ounce big gulp cup full of energy. And as we get older, like depending on how many drinks you've taken, you just don't have very much left. And it's just not true. It's just totally untrue. And, you know, given the miracles of modern science and supplements and the quality of food we can buy and all kinds of stuff, we can be energetic well into our 90s but we believe the lie. So there's a kind of a whole series of those lies. And what I found is that women, you know, sort of across the board have a belief that as we get older, we're worth less. And it's a really damaging belief. And if you can break out of it, it changes everything. Ooh, I was going to ask. So if somebody is listening and they go, uh, yep, that's me. Uh, yep, that's me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I want more, but I've kind of given up that that's even possible. So I yes. stay here, grouchy, miserable, hormonal, yes. uncertain, living in a fear. So what's one thing they can do to step away and step out and break through some of these fears? So the first thing that I would recommend is a question that we're not very comfortable with asking ourselves as women as we age, which is what do I want? Many of us have never asked ourselves that question, which is literally have never said, what do I want? What is it that I want? And I coach women all the time who, even when I ask them, they're clueless. It's never occurred to them to even think about it. And I send them to the mirror. So one of the things that I recommend that every woman do is to come up with a pet name for yourself. I call myself gorgeous. Works really well for me. You can call yourself whatever you want and get in the habit of waking up in the morning, looking in the mirror every time you use the restroom, every time you walk past a mirror, telling yourself the truth, which is life loves you. You don't have to do anything for life to love you. You were born for life to love you. So I walk past a mirror. I say, hey, gorgeous, life loves you all throughout the day. But for those women who don't know what they want, I would add the question. I would go to the mirror and ask the question, you know, hey, gorgeous, life loves you. What do you want? And it's pretty amazing if you look in your own eyes, right? See yourself. And we're, we're so used to hiding ourselves, covering ourselves, apologizing for ourselves, and it's, it can be really confronting sometimes, this mirror work. But if you really see yourself for who you are and all that you are, and you ask yourself, what do you want? Things really start to open up because nobody's going to go get it but you. 
And if you don't know what it is, you know, you're going to, you're going to run around getting a bunch of stuff you don't want. It's a super simple, you know, space to walk into, but it really does have some pretty profound effects. Yeah. Cause you're right. We don't in this busy multitasking overloaded society, we don't slow down to number one, create self-love talk. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've got yeah. to retrain yeah. our brain to go from that we do. eyes to that bold. Uh-huh. And then to even ask ourselves, what does my soul want? Like, what is it that I really want? And then yes. once you know, or at least you have an inkling or, or a little bit of, you can put it on your calendar. And you absolutely and stop apologizing for it, right? Mm -hmm. This is the other thing I think that women women can really benefit from is what I, I learned in a coaching book is called the adult conversation, right? So we're very proficient at apologizing for what we want. And an adult conversation is telling someone else what you want directly without apology, without shame, without guilt, without the need to explain and being willing to accept the fact that the other person might say no and then pivoting and finding another way to get what we want. And instead of having those conversations, we so often manipulate or beat around the bush or hide or avoid and practicing that conversation changes everything in your life. Mm. Yes. And and when you own what you want unapologetically, yeah, that's one step to designing your dream life because you it certainly is. Oh my goodness. Because you're right. Guilt, fear, shame, resentment all block us from getting what we really do want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the idea for many of us, the idea of getting what we want is wrapped up in the notion of selfishness. Right. When we're taught as little girls, don't be selfish. Think of other people first. And it's not selfish to get what you want. It's glorious and beautiful and it's better for everyone in your life, right? To get what you want, right? Like happy wife, happy mama, happy sister, happy life. That's the way it works. So it's just better. And that's kind of an uncoupling, right? That selfishness and desire. They got to, you got to uncouple them if you want to move forward. Ooh, yeah, because at the end of the day, if you're overflowing with love, everybody wins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and you're interesting, yeah. right? There's nothing <laughs> sexier than a woman who knows what she wants and is in hot pursuit of it. She's got a lot to talk about. That's true. So for women I meet who say, what am I going to talk to my husband about when my kids leave the house? Or what am I going to do with myself? You know what? Go pursue something that you want and you'll be the most fascinating lady at dinner. That's so true. So true. So what are you, what is your new program? Tell us about Positively Primetime, the 21 day revolution. I am of the mind and of the brand that middle age for women is primetime. This is our eight to 11 time slot, right? For our best shows, biggest audiences. And I have a new program. Uh, it's called the 21 day revolution, Positively Primetime, the 21 day revolution. And I take women on a 21-day journey. It doesn't require a lot of time each and every day, but I take women on a 21-day journey through this idea of what do I want and why do I keep getting up at the same stage and acting out the same play and you know what's holding me back from having this and really priming yourself to step into you know, how it is that you're going to make the second half of your life better than the first half. And I'm launching the, I'm selling the program now. Uh, it's $47. You get my book with it. So um, it's literally for 21 days, less than a cup of coffee. 
right? And to, to wake up in a whole new way. And uh, there's a community. So uh, there'll be a lot of primetime women in the group together. Uh, there's a daily lesson every day. There's some beautiful assignments to help you really wrap your arms around what you want and step out of your comfort zone. And you get my book so and a workbook. So uh, it's a heck of a deal. And selling now, but I'm going to start the program after the holidays. So we'll start officially on January 9th, right around the time everybody's starting to struggle with their New Year's resolutions, right? And I'm just really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be just red hot fun. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me how community is such a pivotal part of growth and middle-aged women, like knowing that they are important and a part of something bigger than themselves. First of all, if you really want to make a change in terms of the way you see yourself, it's so helpful to see other people doing the same thing. Like even community aside, I really encourage women to change your social media news feeds. Like to get women in your news feeds, start to follow and start to connect with women who are aging and still slaying because there's so much emphasis on youth. And what I found is that this idea of community and this idea of having a group of primetime women together, because the lies are so pervasive and so similar from, from woman to woman, everybody can talk about how they're stepping over them, how they're living in truth. But I think there's a lot of inspiration in, the, in a group of primetime women. And we're called literally called around the time of perimenopause and through menopause to contribute in a new way. And we don't know how to answer those calls. And so in in a group of primetime women, you'll find women who are like for the first time living out their artistic dreams. You know, it's that I want to sell my paintings. I want to write a book. I want to sing from stage. I want to, I want to give speeches. You'll find women who are living out their entrepreneurial desires for the first time. I want to start a business. You'll find women who are looking for real love for the first time or who are walking away from marriages. Gray divorce is very, very pervasive, which is divorce over age 40 or after 25 years, super, super pervasive. And so there's just this sort of women who are becoming activists for the first time, who are dedicating themselves to some type of of social change or community change, no matter what it is. So these calls, they come to us in different ways. And when you recognize that the call that you're having really comes from the ether, right? And it's coming to all of us, that community lifts you up. It gives you possibility. It gives you the chance to see what this really looks like when it's played out. And it just, it's further, faster, you know, together. Absolutely. So this is really a space for people to find themselves again. Yes. Especially if they've felt like they've lost themselves and they haven't been asking, what do I want and who am I now and who do I want to be? Mm -hmm. Or if you have in your mind that after a certain point, things are going to go downhill, right? So I I meet lots of women who wouldn't consider themselves middle age yet, but they have like a, a literal chronological cap on happiness. Like it's going to, things are going to build to here. And then from, you know, after this, it's all going to be crap, right? It's all going to go downhill. So anybody who has these ideas around aging, you know, around your worth decreasing as your years increase can really benefit from a community that's age positive. 
Yes. And of of people who are excited to be on this journey, excited Mm -hmm. to ask themselves these questions, just like you are. And and proud and celebrating, you know, celebrating this, you know, menopause is the biggest change that we'll go through since puberty. And it's got this horrible rap. I mean, women are ashamed of this. I had women when I first published my book who said, oh, I'd love to buy your book, but I don't want people to think I'm in menopause. What? Like, why? Men don't have this. You never hear a man say, I don't want anyone to know I'm 50. So it's just, it's got a bad rap. And if we can come to cherish and to find the gifts in the transitions that we're experiencing, then we're much stronger. And I think, you know, the other thing about community is that middle-aged women go through a number of transitions that are unavoidable. Uh, One is that our parents are growing older. You know, many middle-aged women are caring for their aging parents or losing their aging parents. If we have kids, our kids are going to leave or, you know, hopefully they're going to leave, right? At least move to the basement with their Xbox and their computer. And, you know, those of us who've had long careers, there's going to come a time when the patina, you know, it starts to fade a little bit, right? So these transitions are happening to all of us and being in a space where other women are transitioning in the same way is just super, super uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, just kind of like you were at that time, all of these things were coming at the same time and to be with a community of people that get it, that have been there and are pivoting to, and then pivoting towards living their best life. It's like a magical place to be. Yeah. And to see, you know, and and to move from, this is a mess. Everything's a mess. Everything's become a mess. It's become so hard to, I see an opening. This is an opening, right? I'm having a, I'm having a transition here. This is an opening for me to live and to be a new way. It's just a gift. Mm. Well, it sounds like you are somebody who learns and teaches, learns and teaches, you know, you're growing and then you give that back to your community. And what's so cool is that they're growing along with you. So what a special place. I've got one last question for you. Um, If you have been an entrepreneur for a long, long time, meaning you keep your own vision strong. Yes. That even in the midst of life happening, menopause happening, vacations happening, clients happening, you know, teenagers happening, there's a part of you that keeps your own vision strong in your mind's eye, in your heart. And we do that through, sounds like personal development, yoga, things that mm-hmm. you do. So what is yeah. one thing throughout this journey that you work to do every day that keeps you filled up and growing? The point of no return. So I believe really strongly, at least for me, that the point of no return is critical. So things that I feel may stop me, right, where I anticipate roadblocks, because we know when they're coming. We know what we want to do and what we don't want to do. I always try to get to a point in my day where I can't turn back. So I've done enough work on this that I know I'm not going to throw it in the trash or I've committed to someone else. That I'm, hey, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I call werewolf cages, right? I know that the that the full moon's going to come out, and I'm going to be a werewolf. So I'm going to build myself a cage, lock myself in it, right? And when I feel that I may back out, and that I, you know, days when I, it's like, oh, okay, this is too much. I can't go any further. I just insert a point of no return so that I have to pick it up the next day or the next day, and it works for me. 
Yeah. So you get an outside commitment, like meeting somebody for coffee or a business date or, you know, something where investing money in something that I know that I won't, you know, that I'll have to follow through on or getting somebody on my team to say, to to commit to them, I'll give you the copy for this on such and such a day. And I think depending on what it is that drives you and motivates you, that point of no return may look different. You know, for some of us, it might be, I've done this much work and, and I can't quit. For others, it might be involving other people. For some people, it's literally embarrassment or shame, right? For some people, it's money. Whatever it is, understand what that thing is that motivates you and use it to your advantage during your down days to box yourself in. So you have to circle back because you're going to have down days. There's the, Nobody steps through every day you know, like, you know, growing like a rose, right? Some days we will, some days the leaves fall off. And I think if you can embrace those days and in the center of them say, how do I be sure I come back to this tomorrow? Right. Momentum is everything. Once you lose your momentum, it's the, you know, it's like pushing a cement block up a hill. So how do I, how do I lock myself in to keep my momentum going? So tomorrow I'll, I'll pick it back up. And that, it really works well for me. I find myself, I book my calendar because I know I'm not going to yes. cancel. Yes, and exactly. Yes. I reverse engineer it. So I like put a date out there, you know, <laughs> yep. like, you know, I'll launch something or you do something, you figure it out and then you work backwards. And now I have to figure out how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to put other people on there, right? Because I'll, I'll cancel on myself. I have no problem with that, but I wouldn't cancel on you. Right. So, so, and I think, you know, being honest with ourselves about those things and just build it in. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're creating success habits that you know, work for you. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So for, if you guys are interested in Positively Primetime, the 21-Day Revolution, where you'll get the free book and a community and exercises and things to do each and every day, go to jujuhook.com or positivelyprimetime.com. But Juju, I so appreciate hearing your story and just connecting with you and like, you've got it. You've got it. Thank you. You've got thank it. You, thank you. It's you've a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the time and, and your trust in me and the share. Yeah. You've got a message that, that people need to hear and I'm excited to help you spread it. So thank you for being on today. Thank you. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.